Immediately a man was nailed to the cross, he lost all his rights. And if you ever get nailed to the cross, you'll lose all yours too. We love ourselves so much, and who are, who are we talking about now? Unbelievers? No. So-called believers who have never understood what it is to take up the cross and put self to death. See, because in the last days there's going to be very little preaching about the cross and death to self-life. And so, when there's no preaching against death on death to self, self is going to flourish in the lives of many Christians. They won't even know that you cannot follow Jesus if you love yourself. I don't ask people if they're saved anymore. Who isn't saved? From the White House to the Jailhouse. <clears throat> I'm asking you, is Christ, does Christ live in you? Christianity is the only religion in the world where a man's God comes and lives inside of him. Thanks be to God that when I finally acknowledge that I can't do this, it's not possible for me to live the Christian life on my own. I, I'm not called to chart my own course. I'm not called to create my own destiny and ask God to bless it. I'm called to follow Him. I'm called to give up the rights to my life and walk with the Holy Savior. I'm called to let His mind be formed in me. His life become my life. His ways become my ways. His purpose become my purpose. His plan become my plan. And then the power of God will come upon me. Run from those that are picking your pocket in the name of Jesus. Run! Run from churches where men and not Christ are glorified. Run! Run from those who preach division between races and cultures. Run! Run from preachers that stand and tell stories and jokes. Run like you've never run before. Good morning and welcome to the Removing Confusion podcast. This is September the 12th, 2023. <clears throat> Yesterday was the 20, what is it? 22nd, sorry, 22nd anniversary of uh, what we call 9-11, where over 3,000 people in the United States were killed by Islamic terrorists, <clears throat> to the best of our knowledge. And, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, frogs. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's a day worth reflecting. <clears throat> we should never forget. Now, there are people who enjoy the conspiracy aspects of everything, but forget that and think about the people who died. Did they die and go out into eternity without Christ? That should be the first thought on our minds. Many, I fear, probably did go out into eternity outside of Christ, meaning they have not made a commitment to him. They had not 
come to the realization that he is the Messiah. And therefore, that when they were taken from this planet, they went to a place that would be much worse. These are the sobering thoughts that we can have. You know, people will say, well, they went out as heroes. You know, the best hero on the battlefield, if he does not know Christ, is in dire straits. You know, we, we look at we look at the things that we see with our temporal vision, the things that we 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 can understand, and and uh, we try to realize um, make realizations for things. And like I say, it's a sobering fact that Jesus told us in Matthew chapter seven. And people will say, why does he keep breaking that up? Because you need to understand. He says many, many will take the broad road that leads to destruction. But there is a straight gate, which is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And a narrow path. You don't hear preachers talk about the straight narrow gate which is Christ and the path it's not a broad path it's a narrow one and few there be there that find it I was talking the other day about pride I called it pride kills and I'm going to continue on that and finish it today one way or the other Pride comes in a lot of different ways. It attacks all of us. We, uh, we see things that literally sicken us. And then we fall prey ourselves to some prideful behavior. The other day I was really down. I won't say what day, but I was really down and I don't get down too much but I was down I was feeling really dejected not by God but by those who call themselves God's people in a broad sense and I was ready to give up I was ready to just walk away I was ready to quit and I went to the Lord and I, I just poured myself out. You know, I don't, I don't want to be one of those that uh, gives up when the things get tough, but, you know, they've been tough for a while in certain aspects. Nothing so much here at home. Everything's pretty good. But outside the gates of the house, things get a little bit more tempestuous and rocky you start to see how the world has slipped into different places that it's not supposed to you start to see people that you trust and and you even care about or say love and you know they're they're caught up in worldly things and you're like what is going on you look, you know, as you get into advanced ages, you know, 60, 70, 80, 
you know, you should start to really understand it. <clears throat> Excuse me. We are living on borrowed time. And we are living on bar- borrowed time anyway. God can give life or he can just stop giving it. He does give life. God is all about life. Whether it's the life here that we uh, go through the turmoil of day to day or the life that comes after. But God is giving us life to do one thing, glorify him. It becomes so difficult when you see people who just go the other direction, but whether it's for a day, a month, or a year, or an hour on Sunday morning or afternoon. But you you just look there and there's that empty spot that's always filled with somebody, and they're not there because they're engaged in some worldly thing. Can God not get your attention to corporately gather? Can God not wake you up that there's a day we set aside for him? You know, work that day in the eyes of God for God. You know, that's that's all I do. That's all I want to do. I have no desire to make a lot of money at it. I don't make any, and I don't even try. I do it because I really do believe that people need to hear the word of God. That's why I come on here. I believe that we, I myself included. You know, think uh, I, I'm just spouting out things that I learned somewhere along the way, as I've been accused of, or is it just that I'm trying to learn along with you? And that's exactly what it is. But pride started to grab me, and, and I, I went to God that night, and I just prayed for some kind of clarity. You don't always get those answers that you're expecting uh, or looking for in, in short shrift. You know, it sometimes takes a while. You know, God wants you to kind of work things out in your own. When I, and I had had some words bouncing around in my head. They they were my words, not God's. Retire, resign, and walk away. I told my wife about it, says you can't retire, you're not getting paid. I said, well, you know, retire can mean different things. And she says, we don't want to walk away. I said, well, just walk away from, not from God. I'll never walk away from God. But there's things in in this world that I just would rather go live in a cave. I sound like I, 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 Elijah, but uh, I don't want to go that route either. So what happened is God threw to me, all right, you go look those words up. You go get your Strong's Concordance however you want to use it, and you look it up. Now, when, when people say, God told me, I mean, that's so charismatic and, you know, Pentecostal that scares people. But, you know, when, when, when you have that um, impression made upon you to do something, you, and it won't leave you alone. So at 530 in the morning, I woke up and I started looking them up. And I came up with the fact that um, resign isn't in the Bible. It's in some of the newer versions, ones I don't use very often. 
But in the King James Bible, it does not appear. I don't even think it's in the NASB, which is another Bible I use. Uh, but I came to, pro, I'm sorry, Ecclesiastes chapter 10. And again, this is my pride, perhaps. Got wounded a bit or or I'm, I'm, I'm allowing things to seep in that I don't need to worry about. <clears throat> in Ecclesiastes chapter 10, now the, the verse that, I was pulled to his verse number three, but I'm going to read the first three verses. Dead flies cause the ointment of the apothecary to send forth a stinking savor. That's a bad smell. So doth a little folly him that is in reputation for wisdom and honor. A wise man's heart is at his right hand, but a fool's heart at his left. Verse number three. Yea, also, when he that is a fool walketh in the way, his wisdom faileth him. And he saith to everyone that he is a fool. Oh, it's verse four, actually, that was the clincher see and there's a lot of the these are proverbial and ecclesiastes for the church it's a ecclesia means the gathered ones <clears throat> verse number four if the spirit of the ruler rise against thee rise up against thee leave not thy place for yielding pacifieth great offenses so I started to think about that, and I was like, well, there you, God answers prayer. God answers your petitions. You just have to allow him to do it. You have to allow him to guide you, and he will. And you're not going to hear that audible voice of, go check your Strong's Concordance. It wasn't anything like that. It was just a constant fluttering of words in my head, retire, resign, walk away. Resign was the big one. Like I say, can't retire from something that you're not being paid to do in the first place. But you can resign and just walk away. It would cause an unbelievable ripple of problems if I did it. So I know that that's something I have to be cautious of at the, at the point that I'm at now. But, you know, you, you just sit there and you're like, am I just beating my proverbial head against a wall and it's not for me to worry about god will take care of the things that he has his eyes on if you have started to flutter a little bit if you have stepped into a a venue that you should not be in if you're uh, compassions for the world have overtaken you to a point that God is coming in second or third or fourth, you better think about yourself. But I'm in the Word. I, that's how people say that. I read three, four hours a day or whatever. That's great. Is it sinking in as to where you should be? and where you should not be. People, places, and things can take and consume you. 
people are consumed with the United States and its so-called Christian authoritarianism. It's it's a it's it's a background, whatever. I, I used the wrong word, but it's background. Ezekiel prophesied in Ezekiel chapter sixteen. And this is God who is telling Ezekiel to to prophesy, of course. And if you go through verses 1 through 14 of Ezekiel chapter 16, we we won't read all of that. But we'll go through a little bit and just kind of hit the highlights. In Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 1, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, See, yeah, it's the Lord. Lord, He speaks to his prophets. He speaks to his 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 people, his kids. Sixteen two, son of man, make known to Jerusalem her abominations. And he said, "This is what the Lord God says to Jerusalem: Your origin and your birth are from the land of the Canaanite. Your father was an Amorite, and your mother is a Hittite. Those are not really good people. Those are the ones that God said when you come into the land, wipe them all out." They owned or they had squatted on God's property for over 400 years. And it was time for them to get unsquatted. But when they went in, they didn't do it, as we know. <clears throat> there's, there's some uh, talk here of at your birth, you know, the day you were born, your navel cord wasn't cut, you were washed with water. Or I'm sorry, you were, nor were you washed with water for cleansing and you were not rubbed with salt or even wrapped in cloth so you're naked and you're you're messy no eye looked with pity on you to do any of these things for you to have compassion on you rather you were thrown out into the open field for you were bored on the day you were born this happened to the jews the israelites whatever you want to call them it happens to us as well sometimes you're just you stand for Christ, and you stand steadfast. Uh, you you dis- decide that if you're, you, you, I'll tell you what, when you decide to become a preacher, a minister, whatever you want to call a public speaker for the Lord Jesus Christ, you are going to get a lot of darts thrown at you. I don't care if you just write stuff on Facebook. You're writing to your friends great you open it up for everybody you're going to get nailed and i leave mine open for everybody i don't write anything anymore it's not worth it it's contention there were people on there that i had to block i didn't even know them uh others i just left to go because hey you know say what you want i don't really care 16.5 when i've passed by and saw you squirming in your blood i said to you while you were in your blood live yes i said to you while you were in your blood live this this baby that he speaks of as being a nation was left out in a field to die thrown away to die and god gave it life i made you very numerous like plants of the field so he grew up these people he gave them what they needed as you grew up you became tall 
and reached the age for fine jewelry. Your breasts were formed and your hair had growth. You were naked and bare. Then I passed you by and saw you, and behold, you were at the time for love. So I spread my garment over you and covered your nakedness. I also swore an oath to you and entered into a covenant with you so that you became mine, declares the Lord God. It's like a love story, but it's really just a an analogy to say that you are mine. God says that, capital M in this version. You are mine. He then cleans them up, washed off their blood and, and, and gave them, anointed them with oil and gave them clothing. He's done everything for them. Colorful cloth and sandals of fine leather on the feet. You know, that meant something. A lot of people went around bare naked footed. Uh, bare, bare footed. <laughs> Adorned you with jewelry and put bracelets on your wrists and a necklace around your neck. Ringing your, well, ringing your nose. That's, that's, that's actually pretty popular today. Earrings in your ears and a beautiful crown on your head. Gold and silver, he, fit, he fits them with gold and silver, and, and, and the dress was fine linen, silk and colorfully woven cloth. You are fine. You ate fine flour, honey, and oil. You see, this is the, the thing of royalty. But it comes to this. Your fame spreads among the nations on account of your beauty. For it was perfect because of my spell, splendor, which I bestowed on you. This is God again, still speaking, declares the Lord God. But you trusted in your beauty. You became unfaithful because of your fame. And you poured out your obscene practices on every passerby to whom it might be tempting. You took some of your clothes made for yourself high places of various colors and committed prostitution on them, which should not come about nor happen. God is getting ready to lower the boom on them. He's given them everything. He's raised them up. He's dressed them. You know, this is, this is the picture of the bridegroom and the, and the bride which is Israel at this point in time. He's given them fame. He's given them, uh, uh, which means, you know, that everybody else is kind of scared of them because they have a God that can just crush whomever he wishes. Down around verse 20 starts talking about the horrible things that they were, they were doing uh, sacrificing their sons and daughters to idols. They were born to me, God says. Now I'm going to uh, slide into something that people don't like to hear. United States of America you just, just had 22nd anniversary 9-11 I spoke of. If God did to Jerusalem and Israel. What it led up to is, you know, they ended up in Babylonian captivity for 70 years. 
they were many were killed the entire of Jerusalem was leveled and the temple which they venerated the temp- the temple was the the place where true religion was practiced and it was crushed crushed to the ground all the little things that they had in there were taken into captivity all the cups and all the saucers and the shoe bread tables or whatever all that stuff they lost it that was the big thing for the jew was to see their temple knocked to the ground their king watched his sons die right before they put his eyes out so the last thing he saw was his sons being killed by the Babylonians. These are all horrible things to look at. But uh, this this part we get to, you slaughtered my children and offered them to idols. Notice what God says there. He didn't say your children. You slaughtered my children and offered them to idols by making them pass through the fire. 60 million plus young children, not even born yet, which belong to God, have been aborted through horrific means in this nation. This one only. Worldwide, it's probably about a billion. But in our nation alone, 50 or 60, it's probably closer to 70 these days. I haven't got a updated status quote on that, but we know it's a lot. There are only 8 million people living in uh, uh, New York City. You start adding up the big cities together, you know, New York, L.A., Chicago, you'd probably have to go into the uh, five or six other big cities to reach that, that peak, that 60 million number. And then some of them are taken and burned. One, I'm, I'm here to shock a little bit, maybe, but that, that's too bad. Your grown-ups, listen, if you have kids in a room, send them out. You think it's too graphic. One hospital was using these body parts to heat its, uh, it was, they were using it in their furnace system. It's a, it's abhorrent. It's disgusting. And yet, people think, there's no judgment coming here. We'll be raptured away. The church stands by, for the most part, while these things happen. They don't want to talk about it. It's too, too greed, uh, sorry, too grody and too gory and too ugly. We just want to hear about uh, all the good things. We don't want to talk about the horrific things that happen in the name of America. How many children are trafficked into the sex trade as well as adults, but children because there's money in it. That little troll over in uh, 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 Ukraine is a huge proponent of 
sex traffic trade. And we send him tens upon tens and hundreds of billions of dollars. Billions of dollars. He's a horrible human being. Oh, but the Russians, they're so much worse. I'm not on either side of this one. But I'll tell you right now, do not listen to the trolls that tell you he's a good guy. He's a puppet. His name is Zelensky, unless you forgot or didn't know. These things will come to haunt a nation. Besides all your abominations and obscene practices, you did not remember the days of your youth when you were naked and bare and squirming in your blood, and God saved you. That's what he tells Jerusalem and the Israelites. Then if it, then it came about after all your wickedness, woe, woe to you declares the Lord God, that you built yourself a shrine and made yourself a high place at every public square. They are bringing the most horrific things in and putting them up in the public squares of many cities. If you put the Ten Commandments in there or a statue of Jesus, oh, no, that's got to come down. But the devil got his do. It was Oklahoma City several ten years ago or so. They put up a shrine to Satan, there was a lady. I, I don't. I, I don't have the news feed on this, but uh, oh, and this was again a decade ago or so. They they and you know, think what you want about a Catholic crucifix, but it does symbolize religion. Whether it's good or bad, I don't care. But it symbolizes religion, and someone for art, the purpose of art. Now this is great art. They filled a jar of urine. For those of you who are a little less hearing-wise, pee. And they dropped the crucifix in, put a lid on it, and called it art. When this lady was going through a, the art gallery or whatever that they had this thing in, she literally broke the, the glass case around it and threw the thing on the ground. She went to jail for a while, I'm sure, and paid a price. God bless her. I hope some I don't know if anybody stepped up and paid her fine or or what. But God bless her. She had more backbone than most men do. These people they're turning the the, the nation we live in has turned its back on God. It has gone the way of the devil. And it's all about pride. That's what's going on here with Israel. They decided we don't need God. We're we're gonna we're gonna play the the game now. When when they get into these things with uh, false idols and burning things and killing kids, they also uh, engage in orgy activity. That's why they do it because it's fun. It's no fun for the kid that's being killed. But the, the ones who are down there dancing about, 
naked and doing all kinds of perverse things. Yes, this is a a PG-13 rated podcast today, but it's not explicit. It's true. It goes clear back to the golden calf in the wilderness. Why do you think God was so upset because they made a calf? It's what they were doing while they were at it. Dancing around it, unclothed, and having an orgy. These sexual things. That's why when you read the books of Paul, you you see him time and time again condemn adultery, flee from fornication. Because that is a sin against your own body. And if the Holy Ghost is living within you, it is a sin against the God who has taken residence in you, Christian. All sins, though, are actually against God. We've read that many, many times in the 51st Psalm where David says, Against thee and against thee only have I sinned. He broke almost every commandment involved in the Bathsheba incident. He dishonored parents. Well, first of all, he dishonored God. As a man of God who claimed to be, he took God's name in vain because all people say, we didn't curse God's name. No. But think about it. He took on God's name as God's man. And then he does some multiple acts that make God look horrible if you're a man of God. I can think of a few more guys that pulled those stunts like a Jimmy Swaggart and a James Baker, Jim Baker. Oh, but they repented and all that, whatever. What they did, though, as Christians, they took the name of God in vain. They weren't really holding up their end. Now, people say, well, they're still Christian. Holy Spirit, they can't lose their salvation. You you go down that rabbit hole on your own. Men of God do not act the way they did. Jesus told us the mere thinking about having relations with a woman, not your wife is adultery at heart. Being angry with someone out of context without any real need for it or, or you know, whatever, is murder. Sounds pretty tough, Tom. Take it easy. I'm on a roll today because this pride thing, it attacks us all. If I hurt your ears, I'm sorry. In your heart, you can do the same things that Israel was doing here, building up shrines and altars made by yourself in high places of your heart. Setting other people way above the pinnacle of God. Let that sink in. Allowing them to overtake your life to the point where God is a mere memory. 
that America, if this thing is done to the city of God, Yerushalayim, Yerushalayim, however you want to say it, the city of peace, God's city of peace, but yet many times it's been overthrown. To this day, it still is rocketed by the uh, factions outside. You, this is a long chapter. If we go went through the whole thing, we're not going to. From 16, chapter 16 of Ezekiel, from verses 15 through 59, God recounts their sin. We've already touched on some of that. Down here around 49. Behold. Yep. Ezekiel 16, 49. Behold, this was the guilt of your sister, Sodom. She and her daughters had arrogance, plenty of food, carefree ease, but she did not help the poor and needy. So they were haughty and committed abominations before me. Therefore, I removed them when I saw it. You think that you can take on the name of God, which Sodom didn't, by the way, but you think that you can, and then just do whatever you want. It says right here, I removed, that's God speaking, therefore I removed them when I saw it. He also removed Jerusalem, his own city, while they played the whore, as it says in the New Testament many times. Furthermore, Samaria did not commit half of your sins. Samaria, the place where the Jew, you know, it says Jesus was literally kind of, he had to go to Samaria. Must go to Samaria, it said. And he did. And the, and the, everybody was like, what's he doing here? You know, we don't want to go there. We hate Samaritans. Furthermore, Samaritan did not commit half of your sins, for you have multiplied your abominations more than they. So you have made your sisters appear innocent by all your abominations which you have committed. You have done so much evil in the eyes of God that you made them look innocent. Have you ever read this passage of Scripture before? Have you ever heard a preacher get up and read it to you on a Sunday morning when all he wants to do is uplift you with a little bit of rapture talk and and eternal security? Come down, come down, come down, come down. I watch dudes do invitational, uh, the aspect of of the service. They go on for five or six minutes, and no one responds. The Holy Ghost is not there in those words. Also, bear your disgrace in that you have made judgment favorable for your sisters because of your sins in which you acted more abominably than they did. They are more in the right than you. Yes, be also ashamed, 
and bear your disgrace in that you made your sisters appear innocent. He repeats that. Or I read it again. Who knows? That was verse 52. Nevertheless, I will restore their fortunes, the fortunes of Sodom and her daughters, the fortunes of Samaria and her daughters, and along with them your own fortunes, so that you will bear your disgrace and feel ashamed for all that you have done when you become a consolation to them. Your sister's Sodom and her daughters and Samaria and her daughters will return to their former state and you with your daughters will also return to your former state as the name of your sister Sodom was not heard from your lips in the day of pride in the day of pride before your wickedness was uncovered So now you have become the disgrace of the daughters of Edom and all who are around her, all of the daughters of the Philistines, those surrounding you who despise you. You've you've suffered the penalty of your outrageous sin and abominations, the Lord declares. For this is what the Lord God says, I will also do with you as you have done. You will have despised the oath by breaking the covenant. God made a covenant with these people. He won't break it. But also says he will chastise those who deserve it. Over and over again, he tells these people, you have done worse than Sodom and her daughters and Samaria and her daughters. Why is that? I think even if they didn't go to the extremes that those places did, which obviously they did, but the thing of it is, is these are the people who claim to be God's people. These are the people who say, I'm a Christian, or say, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, uh, a practicing Jew that does everything and keeps the law. You know, I, I take into the consideration that this is Old Testament but God does not change, Malachi 3, 6. God does not change. I am the Lord God, I change not. So people think, and that's actually the last book of the Old Testament, you know, and people, oh, it's all Old Testament. Yeah, but God does not change. He does not have to. It is man who changes. Man will get on fire for God and then burn out mainly because sometimes they're not even one to the Lord correctly. If you don't understand the law of God and how you have broken it horribly over your lifetime in and out of the church, in and out of Christ, but mostly out, sinners are just told all of sin to come short of the glory of God. That's fine. But then they look at you and say, well, I've never drank a drop of alcohol. I never, I never drove my car too fast. I, I never cheated on my wife. I don't cuss. You still don't know Jesus. But there's ways that you can tell them. You know, Ray Comfort, God bless him. I don't care what anybody says. 
Oh, it's Lordship salvation and he's doing it wrong. More people stay on track when they find out exactly how badly they have sinned against God. Go to living waters on YouTube. Watch some of the videos, listen to some of his, uh, sermons, even read his books, make sure you're saved. It scares me sometimes. Even myself, I look at it, I'm like, whoa, did I, I was never told this before. God makes this comparison between the iniquity of Sodom and Samaria and <laughs> just goes on and on. Integrity, or I'm sorry, iniquity, iniquity of Sodom, the pride the fullness of bread. They had it all. Abundance of idleness. In verse 15, they're haughty, committing abominations. All this in what? God's presence. God's presence. Yet denying, disregard for the less fortunate. Christians don't don't disregard the plight of the lost. Don't disregard the plight that fell to Jerusalem either. John wrote three epistles. One, The first one is the big one. John, First uh, John two fifteen is one of those famous passages that we need to put on our refrigerator. Perhaps love of this world. You cannot love you can't, nor the things that are in the world. Love not this world, nor the things that are in this world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Three times God uses the world in that verse. Three times. Because people love their circumstances. They love them more than they love God. Oh, no, you can't say that. I love God. I love Jesus. But when something happens in the world, you know, you lose a loved one. That's a horrible thing. A kid, especially. That's horrible. It shakes us to our core. A parent or whatever. A wife, a husband. These are things that that shake us, but they are part of the world around us. Now, I'm not saying they're not saved or anything. I'm just using a deep analogy, and it hurts. Jesus said, uh, by comparison, you should hate your mother, father, sister, brother, husband, wife, on and on, kids even, your dogs, in comparison to him. He is first in your life. His, his word comes first in your life. 
His love for you should come first in your life. You should never forget the price that was paid for us. Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Don't love the world, the things of the world, anybody that loves the world. They say three times, three times John is inspired to use that word world in that verse. And he doesn't stop as he rolls into 1 John 2, 16, a verse many people do know. For all, look at this, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but it is from the world. That is the uh, New American Standard Version. Let's look at everybody's favorite, the King James Version. It says practically the same thing. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. The only thing that changed was the abundant or the boastful pride of life. It's not from God. It's from the world. It is the world that is permeating people with this lust. From the very beginning, at the tree in Eden, it is good for the eyes. Look at it. Look at it, Eve. It's it's nice to look at. And Adam, who was standing there with. See, do people tell you that? When you're sitting in church, they make the correlations. And I've been told, well, you go too deep. Or just just listen to the surface level. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and that it was desirable to make one wise, the pride of life. She took some of the fruit and ate it and then gave some to her husband with her and he ate. He wasn't very far away, was he? The lust of the... uh, These three things. The lust of the flesh. It was good to eat. It was good for the body. The the, the, the lust of the eyes. It was nice to see. And it gave us life and more abundantly, but it actually killed him. It killed all of us. John 2.17, 1 John 2.17, the world is passing away and also its lusts, but the one who does the will of God continues to live forever. Do the will of God. Do the will of God. What is the will of God? to flee fornication, to flee adultery, to 
do as Jesus said, the two great commandments. What are the, what's the great commandments? Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as you'd love yourself. That covers all ten of them. I've talked about that before. That's the will of God, that you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. Not just in, oh, I said the words one day in church at the altar or on the street when some guy accosted me or at the flea market or whatever where some dude was handing out tracts like a madman. I made a commitment. Uh, or the ones who say, I've recommitted. Well, why did you have to recommit? Because you drifted. Because someone did not do the proper uh, steps of salvation with you. They didn't show you just how debased you really are because that hurts people's feelings. You tell them, have you ever stolen? Have you lied? Have you ever cheated? Have you looked at your, somebody else with lust in your heart? You're a liar. You're, 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 a, you're a thief. You're an adulterer. Have you ever cursed God's name? Well, I'm trying not to, but you have, haven't you? You're a blasphemer. You're a lying, adulterating, thieving blasphemer. You need, you need to fix it. You need to find your way out of that. It is the straight gate and the narrow path. Jesus is the gate. The path is narrow. There are very few that find their way. The last time pride is used in the Bible, KJV, and probably most of the others, is 1 John 2.16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life, is not from the Father, but from the world. Not from the Father, but from the world. I read 15 already, but do not love this world for the th- or the things in it. If anyone loves the world, the love of God is not in them. And there's people who say, I don't care about money. I don't care about this. I don't care about that. But you try to take it away from them, see what happens. And say, okay, if you don't care about it, how about you invest it into a ministry? How about you invest it right here? I never asked for money. I'm not doing it now. But those of those people that have that on their lips, it's it's worthy to say, well, you know what? Uh give it to the church. Find a find a missionary who needs money. They all do. And debutate them. Get them on their feet. God's driving a point home about the world that it's going away. Love not the world. Love not the things in the world. If you do love the world, the love of Father is not in him. When 
things are repeated over and over again within a phrase or a, a verse, there's a reason for it. Now, people will say, explain this world thing to me. It, in the Greek, the word is cosmos. And, we, you know, we've heard that, you know. It's, it's the study of cosmology or something of that where you, where you study the stars. <clears throat> it's in this case it's an ungodly multitude that the whole mass of men alienated from god and therefore hostile to the cause of christ worldly affairs the aggregate of things earthly the whole circle of earthly goods endowments Riches, advances, advantages, pleasures, etc., which, although hollow and frail and fleeting, stir desire, seduce from God, seduce from God, and are obstacles to the cause of Christ. That's from the Strong's definition and the outline of its biblical uses. The world gets used many times throughout the New Testament in this uh, total times, I'll show you, 187 times the world's used. And it's used in different ways, but not normally it is in the way that we're talking today. It's being used as a negative thing. It's not a positive thing. But God created the world and all that's in it. And then it fell to the horrors of Satan. Remember that? Don't forget that. Man had dominion. He handed his dominion to a lesser, which is the devil. Pride and lust are killers. And, you know, people, oh, lust, he's talking sex again. It's not about sex. It's about lusting after anything. Lusting after all the things in the world that make you want to, you know, shake and shake and quiver. I need a new car. I need a new bike. I need a new boat. I need a new this. I need a new that. I'm just seething to have these things. And you can't have them. Or you'll kill to get them. They consume you. You'll work overtime until your fingers are ragged just to have that new thing. And there's also the lust of the flesh that people have this, I eat and I eat and I eat because it's the only thing that satisfies me. Folks, this is the end of my dissertation upon idea of pride god hates it let's just put it that way god hates pride read the book of read the entirety of proverbs look and see just how many times the word pride comes up make a hash mark on a piece of paper as you go through see if there's ever a positive connotation to the word pride i don't believe you'll find one 
I don't believe you're fine one. Or even use the word proud, proud and pride. God does not like a proud look. That's in there too. Pride is a killer. It can it can kill you in this life and it can definitely put you into the lake of fire in the next. If your pride is way above its level that it should be, and you shouldn't have any. I have I have tried to get to the point where I don't say, oh, I'm proud of that, or I'm proud of him, or I'm proud of her. Because whether it's just part of our vernacular that we have, which it is, it's also just one of those things that kind of, sends a shiver down your th- your spine knowing that god doesn't like something should drive us away from it and remember my little anagram i think that's what you call those things pride pomposity reprobation indifference doubt and then extermination If you follow down through there, you'll see what I'm saying. Pompous people sooner or later slide into a reprobate state because they think they're better than everybody. They become indifferent to everything, and especially God. They are filled with doubt because they doubt that God can do what God says he can do. And they end up exterminated by that very God. Stay away from pride. Try to keep the word out of your mouth unless you're telling somebody stop your pride. Till the next time, we'll have something equally as uplifting to bring you. But there is something uplifting here. We're learning what God wants from us. We're learning how God wants us to act and therefore it is positive. You don't hear it in church, but you'll hear it here at the Removing Confusion podcast. The Word of God in all of its glory. In Jesus' name, amen.